Good morning, everyone. We want to just thank God for each and every one of you and thank God for allowing us to assemble together to once again uh, share in his word. Um, I want to just thank God for the precious soul that was added, our new brother Armani. Thank God for him and his obedience to God's word. Thank God for our sister Sandra. Uh, I, she is an inspiration and I truly appreciate her. Regardless of what she's dealing with physically, she does whenever it is within her power and ability, come and joins, joins us physically here for worship. And we truly appreciate God for that and for her. Um, I'm going to get right into it this morning. And uh, I know you all know that I like to begin every sermon or every lesson by asking you, have you ever heard some expression or some other word or, you know, some saying? Well, today, it ain't going to be no different. We're going to do it as we always do it. So with that in mind, need to ask you all, have you heard some of these terms before? Everybody's a critic. You've heard that before, right? Have you heard, be careful not to give them something to say about you. You ever heard somebody tell you that? You ever heard us say, don't give them a stick? To beat you with so we've heard these expressions before right now all of these terms more or less relate to being criticized now believe it or not at some point in our lives everybody sitting in this room has either been criticized or has criticized someone or something else if you in here now and you're above the age that where you can talk and respond, you have either criticized or been criticized. So knowing that, we want to take a look at how to deal with being criticized, how to stop criticism, how to avoid it, or how to be able to silence the critics in the spiritual sense. Using God's word and seeing how God's word says to deal with these two things. Before I get started, though, I need to make sure everybody knows something. You will never be able to stop criticism from happening. No matter what you do, you're not going to be able to stop criticism from happening. The key, though, is being able to prove the criticizers wrong. Or being able to silence the critics when they have been wrong. What am I trying to say? I'm going to give you an example. Every week when I stand before you, I ask you to please turn to the following passages. Now, before I start today, someone going to criticize that in their mind. They may not say nothing to Brother James about it, but they're going to say, here we go again. He got to say them same passages like he always does. And they're right. That's what criticism is. So with that being said, Harry, check Peter, chapter 1, verse 12. And it reads. Uh-huh. Therefore, uh-huh. I will always remind you about these things, mm-hmm. even though you already know them and are standing firm in the truth you have been taught. Keep reading, Harry. And it is only right that I should keep on reminding you as long as I live. So wait a minute. I always start out by saying, as long as I'm going to be coming up here, I'm going to do this whether you criticize me or not. 
The thing that I want to make sure I remind you of is 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verses 1 through 3. And it reads. Yes. Moreover, brethren. Yes. I declare unto you the gospel, mm -hmm. which I preached unto you, mm -hmm. which also you are you will have received, and wherein you stand. Keep reading. By which also you are saved, mm -hmm. if you keep in memory what I preached unto you, unless you have believed in vain. Keep reading, Harry. For I delivered unto you, first of all, that which I also received, how that Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures, mm -hmm. and that he was buried, and that he rose again the third day according to the scriptures. So every time that I stand before you, it is going to be my intent to share with you the gospel, the fact that Jesus died, was buried, and rose again the third day, so that if a person believes that and is willing to be buried in baptism, they have an opportunity for eternal life. Now, after doing that, here comes the question. If that is what I do and the intent of it, is criticizing it valid? You understand the point? See, the point is, everybody gets the right to criticize. The thing is, am I being criticized for doing what's right, or is the criticism valid? So as we go through this lesson, that's going to be the mindset and attitude that we have. I'm going to do something now that usually may cause and bring about some criticism. What's that? I'm going to start off by giving the definition of some words that we're going to use in this lesson. Now, mind you, there are those who say, here he go again. Going to get out and pull out some Greek number and say a word he can't even pronounce. Is that criticism valid? It may be. But we're going to go ahead and get started today. The first word from the Greek we're going to start with is number 2635. And it is actually not just a word, it is a phrase. The phrase is, in English, speak against. Speak against. Number 2635. K-A-T-A-L-A-L-E-O. That's why I spell it when I say it, so that if I didn't say it right, you can go home and practice. K-A-T-A-L-A-L-E-O. It is contracted from two words, katalalo and katalaliasio, which means, or from the Greek number 2596, against, and lelio, to speak. So when you put the two words together, they formulate the one word in Greek, to speak against, to speak evil of. So now, in the context of our lesson, we're talking about criticizing and stopping the people that are the critics, which means that when they speak against, they are speaking evil of. The word criticize itself is not found in the Greek. It came into existence around the 1600s where they formulated and put words together. That of uh, the use of the word critique, which is uh, the form of censoring to estimate. Uh, it is used to bring about or to pass judgment on something or someone. To discuss in a critical fashion. Critically discuss something, meaning intensely discuss it to examine it. So, in the negative form of the use of the word, it is to indicate the faults in someone or something in a disapproving way. 
It is also to find fault with or to point out the faults of. When someone criticizes in the negative form of the word, they are looking to find fault with whatever it is they're looking at. They're not looking at any of the positive redeeming qualities. They're looking at it to see what's wrong with it. A person's hairdo, a person's clothing that they wear, you know what I'm saying, their, their, their speech, their, their accent, their language. Whatever they're looking at it, they're looking at it to find the negative in it. The positive use or form of the word, it is to form and express a sophisticated judgment of, whether it be an artistic work, a literary uh, 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 writing, or, or, or something that was put together. To consider the merits and the demerits of, and then judge accordingly. What am I saying? When a critic reviews something and it looks at the positives and negatives of it, and then says, based on all the things surmised together, here is what I see that is actually what is here. You understand? If you're doing uh, an equation or if you're doing a form of work, if you're doing a job, the person who is getting ready to critique it, they come out and say, hey, well, these, you've done these things in this fashion. However, you should do this in this way. That means they're analyzing it and taking in all the aspects of it. Not just coming up on it, oh, well, Brother James did that or Brother Dwayne did that. That can't be right. They're coming in with a preconceived idea or notion, and they're looking for the negative aspects of it. Now, with that being said, we're going to go into our lesson. Looking at the definitions, we see that they can be used in two forms, right? I want to, again, go back to what I said at the beginning of the lesson. Criticism is going to come no matter who you are, no matter where you are, no matter how good you are, and no matter what you are trying to do to help someone in a situation. I want to share with you all something that, first of all, that as we go into this lesson should be able to help us be able to better bear and deal with criticism. Steve, you did our scriptural text. I want us to go back to the book of Philippians, and we're going to get into this this morning, brothers and sisters. Everybody here? Because I don't want you to criticize me for taking too long. Steve, are you at uh, Philippians chapter 2? I want you to start at verse 1. Now, remember, the title of this lesson is How to Silence the Critics. Verse 1. Now, remember, this is the same chapter that our scriptural text is coming from, right? Paul talking to the Christians in Philippi, he starts off in chapter 2, verse 1, saying what? What does he say? Is there any encouragement from belonging to Christ? Keep reading, Steve. Any comfort from his love? Mm-hmm. Any fellowship together in the spirit? Keep going. Are your hearts tender and compassionate? Mm-hmm. Then make me truly happy by agreeing wholeheartedly with each other. <coughs> Keep going. Loving one another. Uh-huh. And working together with one mind and purpose. Wait a minute. He's starting out by telling us this is the mindset and attitude that if we as members of the body of Christ should have going forward with whatever we do. Being, first of all, able to work together. Being able to show each other true love. Being able to have one mind with one purpose. 
You know that request that Brother Dwayne and I made earlier in the month that teach one Bible study with one person? How often have or, or how, how, how have any of us approached that? Are we working with one another and say, you know what, I got this person that I really want to have a study with. Do you think we can combine and work together to get that done? We are supposedly a family. And then if there are things that maybe I can help you with or you can help me with, that is what a family should do. Why? Because the end goal is saving a soul. Keep reading for me, Steve. Verse 3 says what? Don't be selfish. Don't be selfish. Keep going. Don't try to impress others. Uh-huh. Be humble. Yes. Thinking of others as better than yourself. Hold it. We're talking about how do I silence the critics? First of all, I shouldn't be a selfish individual. I shouldn't always look out for what's best for me. I should also have a mind of humility. I should also be able to look at the next man as someone worthy of being thought of as better. And not in the sense of that they are more a better person than I am, but thinking of their needs before mine. That's all that simply means. It don't mean that thinking that that person is worth more than you are. No, but that their needs are important to you. Keep reading for me, Steve. Don't look out for only... Don't look out only for your own interests. Don't, don't be looking. Me, 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 me. Everything is about me. Don't be the person that comes in. If it ain't about me, it ain't about nothing. Come on, Steve. Keep going for me. But take an interest in others, too. Take an interest. Listen, brothers and sisters. This is Paul talking to Christians. He says the mindset we need to have is a mindset that I don't be so concerned with what I'm dealing with right now. I need to also be worried about what Sister Ford is going through, what Sister Harriet is dealing with, what Brother Harry has to face. You understand? Not just about me. Why? Because, see, the more you get caught up with other people, the less you've got time to worry about what you're dealing with. Then sometimes the things you're going through will be able to start coming down to real size, like what I'm dealing with maybe ain't that bad. I ain't got to get up and take chemo every week. See, when you start looking at what other people are actually dealing with, what you're going through may not be such a bad thing. And then trying to get up and still come to worship. I got a sniffle. I can't come. Think about it now. What kind of mindset we need to have, Harry? Verse, uh, Steve, verse 5 says what? You must have the same attitude that Christ Jesus had. Listen to this, y'all. The way I think needs to be like my Lord and Savior thinks. I need to have the mindset and the attitude that Christ Jesus had. Keep going. What kind of mind did he have, Steve? No, he was God. This he, man, listen to this now. This person was God. Though he was God, what, Steve? He did not think of equality with God as something to cling to. Keep reading, Steve. Instead, instead, what did he do? He gave up his divine privilege. Mm -hmm. He took the humble position of a slave uh -huh. and was born as a human being. Keep reading, Steve. When he appeared in human form, he humbled himself in obedience to God and died a criminal's death on the cross. Now look at what Jesus did. He just came down here and did that gospel thing. He came down, lived the life of a devout servant, then was willing to be died and labeled a criminal at death. Keep reading, Steve. Therefore, therefore, because he did that, what did God do? God elevated him to the place of highest honor and gave him the name 
If he did that for Jesus for coming down here and dying, what do you think he'll do for you if I live like Jesus? Look at what the scripture is saying to you. Hey, have this kind of attitude. Why? Because this attitude that Jesus had, God gave him this. What do you think you can get if you got that attitude? And remember, we already flawed. Jesus didn't sin. Keep reading, Steve. That at the name of Jesus, mm -hmm. every knee should bow. Keep going. In heaven and on earth and under the earth. Keep reading, Steve. And every tongue declare that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Stop right there before you go. To the next verse because now we're getting ready to get into our scriptural context now look at this y'all jesus done came from heaven he was god in himself he was willing to humble himself then die the cruel death of the cross to become the author and finisher of our faith now these are all the attributes of jesus right now that we see all the attributes of jesus now let's pick up at verse number 12 steve from the new living. And no, but you know what? No. First, give it to me from the King James. And it reads. Verse 12. Verse 12. Wherefore. Stop. We had a brother that always used like to say, why is the wherefore therefore? The wherefore is because of based on everything I just got through reading to you. Based on everything from verse 1 through verse 12, I want you to do something because of what you just heard. Wherefore, what should we do, Steve? My now, beloved, yes, my beloved, what? As ye have always obeyed, not as in my presence only, mm -hmm. but now much more in my absence. Stop. Now that you've said that, we have a wherefore. Now you can go back and start reading verse 12, and let's continue on from the New Living. Dear friends. Dear friends, wherefore, my brothers and sisters, what? You've always followed my instructions when I was with you. When we had Jesus on earth, everybody was doing what Jesus said. When we are here with you in service, every time we come together, everybody seems like they're listening to the elders. Everybody, when you're in front of me, doing what we say. But even more so when, Steve. And now, oh, I'm sorry. And now that I am away, it is even more important. It's more important that you what, Steve? Work hard to show the results of your salvation, <clears throat> obeying God with deep reverence and fear. Wait a minute. The question to be asked is, do I do that? Based on everything I just saw in verses 1 through 11, do I truly worship and reverence God with deep fear and reverence? Keep reading for me, Steve. Verse 13. Verse 13. Yes. For God is working in you. Giving you the desire and the power to do what pleases him. Stop for a minute, brothers and sisters. For God to work in me and to give me the power to do and please him, that means I need to be lining my life up. Think about your life right now. Think about what you're actually doing. Think about what you're actually putting your priorities in as your priorities. What you're putting your effort toward doing. And if you honestly look at it and step back and say, the effort that I that I put pour myself into is glorifying God. The things that you put your effort into, is that really glorifying God? Or is it going back to what we were talking about in verse number three? Is it for my selfish ambition? 
is it for the furtherance of my own aspirations, desires, and goals? Why? Because if the desire to please God is being built up in me, it's because I'm putting God first in all that I'm doing. We were talking about it in class this morning. Sometimes we try to do things to what? Blame other people. But then, then when it comes down to me being on, taking ownership of my true actions, am I owning the fact that I really ain't giving God a fraction of what he deserves? Let's take a look at it. Since we're talking about silencing the critics, the scripture's going to answer that for me. Come on, Steve. Keep reading. Verse number 14. Verse number 14. What does that say, brothers and sisters? Do everything without complaining and arguing. We can't come here without complaining and arguing. We can't walk in the door without complaining and arguing. That's just our nature. Why? Because we critics. We critics. And I can understand the frustration. I can understand when we walk in, it smells like whatever they had here last night. The thing is, well, wait a minute. Let's stop arguing and complaining and let's get ourselves in a situation where we can get out of here. If I don't like where I'm at, let me start doing something to get me out of where I'm at. But it's easier to complain about where I'm at than to work to get out of where I'm at. You understand what? That's the point about it. We want to criticize it, but what, well, what, what is the effort? Hey, one step in that direction. Why are we saying, hey, let's just teach one soul? Why? Because the more we bring in, the more we have to give. That's all I'm trying to say. And then it's a twofold win. Why? We give a person a chance at eternal life and we increase the offering to be able to put that down payment on a piece of land. It's a process. But if I don't take the first step to help the process work, it ain't going to work. You know, people say, well, yeah, I really want to cure this illness. Did you go to the doctor? No, not yet. But I want to cure the illness. I want to get better. Sometimes maybe I like enduring the pain. You know, like, you know, well, you know, you know, they, I look how I'm putting up with it, child. I'm bearing it. How you feeling, child? I've had better days. Like, okay. You know they got medication for that. Keep reading for me, Steve. I don't want to get caught up right there. I don't want to get criticized for staying too long or something. So that no one can criticize So that, wait a minute. Do what you need to do without arguing and complaining so that nobody can do what, Steve? Criticize you. Don't want nobody criticizing. Don't want, if you come in and say, woo, child. Yeah, we had service. And then if you say it like that, that's a, that's a riddle, that, that is a critique in and of itself. Yeah, we had to go to worship at that banquet hall again. And then everybody looking at it, mm. You say you want me to visit? I'm just saying now. If you don't like it, you know, good and well, they're going to hate it. The mind says, yeah, we're worshiping in the banquet hall, aspiring to get out of there. So the sooner you come and worship with me, the sooner we can move on to somewhere else. Take that lemon hall and make some lemonade. So that people won't criticize and do what? Keep reading for me, Steve. Live clean. Innocent lives. Live a clean, innocent life as a what? Children of God. Live clean and innocent lives as children of God where, Steve? Shining like bright lights in a world full of crook and perverse people. Brothers and sisters, wait a minute. We're living in a world full of crooked and perverse people. The way that they see God is through us. 
The only time that they may come in contact with Jesus is when they see us. But if we're on the job and we're acting just like them, what can we say? How can we bring them to the Lord? How can we be an example? And you know what, brothers and sisters, no matter what you're trying to do, it's going to be people that's going to be trying to ridicule and criticize. Harry, give me uh, 1 Peter chapter 2, starting at verse number 1. No matter what you're doing, people are going to be trying to speak evil of you. But like we said, don't give them the stick that they can beat you with. Don't let them be able to say it about you and then turn around and it's true. And then me and Brother Dwayne got to come out and say, hey, Dwayne, yeah, get that mop while we got to do some cleanup. Harry, 1 Peter chapter 2, starting at verse 1, says what, Harry? So get rid of all evil. Wait a minute. What are we trying to do? Why are we reading this, Brother Jane? Because I'm trying to help us formulate the mindset and the attitude with which we can shut up and quiet the critics. If we are not to be arguing and complaining and we're supposed to be living clean, wholesome lives, lives that reflect Christ, some of the things that need to happen in our lives are some of the things that we get ready to look at now. Harry. Start reading again, verse 1 of 1 Peter chapter 2 says what? So get rid of all evil behavior. Get rid of all the things that we used to do that were wrong. And see, like evil behavior, you have to be careful. Because see, sometimes people think that evil behavior is only uh, drinking, smoking, clubbing, cussing, swearing, and lying. Sometimes evil behavior is just putting yourself first all the time. Sometimes an evil behavior is just being selfish. Sometimes an evil behavior is not willing to step out of your comfort zone when it's for the cause of Christ. See, we look at evil as being some uh, blatant action, uh, act of, 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 of just uh, well-known and you know, commonly publicized sin. But sometimes the example that I said, my failure to study, my failure to pray, my failure to share God's word when I have the opportunity, that's evil. That's sin. Especially if it goes contrary to what God would have me to do. Keep reading for me, Harry. Wait a minute. Get rid of what, Harry? So get rid of all evil behavior. Uh-huh. Be done with all deceit, hypocrisy, jealousy, and all unkind speech. Wait a minute. Unkind speech. See, sometimes we have to be careful what we say to people. You can't just say, just because you are right in saying something doesn't give you the right to say it. You know, like, tell the truth and shame the devil. Well, yeah, sometimes you got to be able, you know. There's nothing wrong with telling the truth, but you got to be able to season your words. Why? Because, see, sometimes it's not what you're bringing, it's the way you delivered it. Truth is always going to be truth, but sometimes, you know, well, uh, that's just how I talk. Well, then maybe you need to change the way you talk. Just because you bring in truth don't mean you got the right to say it any kind of way. You know, people have a tendency, well, if they can't handle that, no, you know what? The very people that say that can't handle what they put out. The very people that talk like that can't handle it if somebody brought back to them what they were spitting out. Be careful how you, all right now, you need to deliver with what you want to deliver back to you in. Oh, I can handle it if you tell me the truth. Yeah, right. Okay. Keep reading for me, Harry. <laughs> Come on, I'm going to go. I ain't going to get sidetracked. Come on. Verse number two. Verse number two. Now, we're talking about the things I need to do to be able to silence the critics, the things that I need to change about myself. Verse number two says what? What should I do next, Harry? Like newborn babies. Like a newborn baby, what? You must crave pure spiritual milk. You must crave. You know what? Could you imagine that if, if 
if to sustain life in myself, I had to read at least one to two passages a day. How soon would I be dead? I didn't say book, chapter. I just said one to two passages a day. That if I didn't read it, I could fall gravely ill. And for every day that I did in between that, I could get closer and closer and then die. How many of us would be, this would be a room full of just bodies. Think about it now. Let's, Dwayne said this morning, the first thing in fixing sin is admitting it. Now, let's come on now. How often do we deliberately get up and say, I need to find my Bible because I want to read some passages? How often do we deliberately do that? How many days a week do we do that? Thank God for midweek Bible study. Because it could be a, a, a stint of six days without even opening. You know what I'm saying? I'm just saying, how do you silence the critics? Because you ever notice on your job with these people that we say don't have the truth? All they doing is they talking. If they ain't reading nothing, they hallelujah praising Jesus all day long. Got their gospel music playing. And you say, you know, we're not well, if that man find me, my God going to get me another job. I ain't going to let no man keep me from serving the Lord. And you know what's amazing to me? When a person who ain't got truth is that bold about it. And when I got, I'm supposed to be in that one and only gospel, that one and only church, and I'm afraid. Think about it now. You know what? What I just said, somebody going to see that during that week. They're going to be riding by somebody going to say, praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. You know, you, you'll get it this week. You'll say, yeah, Brother James said that, son. You go, it'll come to you. Don't worry. You criticize me now. Go ahead. Keep on reading for me, Harry. Like newborn babies, you must crave pure spiritual milk. Why do you want to crave spiritual milk, Harry? So that you will grow into a full experience of salvation. Brothers and sisters, we stun it. We pretty much doggone near dwarfed. We may never grow. Why? Because the only way I can grow is if I'm studying God's word. And if I ain't studying God's word, how can I grow? How can I experience all the richness that God has for me when I won't even open up the book that feeds me? Let's be honest with ourselves. Why we can get criticized? Because we ain't got nothing to defend against criticism with. Now remember, he says as a newborn babe, some of us been in the Lord for how many years? So I ain't even a baby. So, you know, I, I'm an Ethiopian now. You know what them Cambodian children with the big swole up? Oh, come on, see, I'm trying to give you a visual picture of what it means to be starving. You seen them commercials, the little baby just laying there, flies all around him, ain't eating nothing, starving. Now, if he could, I guarantee, you know how bad that child want to eat? And we throw a food away. What I'm saying, spiritual food. We have a plate sitting in front of us and we throwing it away. Every day. Why? Because it's, and it, you, the killing thing is, read that last part again, Harry, where it says, so that I can what by Harry? So that you can. So that you will grow into a full experience of salvation. So that I can go into a full experience of salvation. So that means right now, I don't know what it is to truly experience my salvation. I'm depriving myself of the joy that comes from fully knowing God because I won't feed myself. 
I'm starving myself and keeping myself from enjoying what I have a piece of. Why? Because I'm scared to eat. Did you finish that for me, Brother Harry? Cry out for his nourishment. Mm. Now that you have had a taste of the Lord's kindness. Wait a minute. What's that taste? When you were buried in baptism. That's a taste of it. You know that joy, that euphoria you felt when you came out the water? Come on now. That sense of newness, that sense of cleanness, that fresh sense of like, man, I got to. That's that first experience. And then to get that euphoria, all you got to do is study God's word so you can grow into it more and more. So it can comfort you in times of need. So when there's loss and when there's this despair, when everybody else is hurting and suffering, you got something to lean on. But when you don't feed yourself so that God can be there to fulfill your life richly, you deprive yourself of it. Of course things are difficult for us. Of course people can come and question you about questioning the God you serve. Because do I really serve him? Instead of silencing the critic, I'm giving him more and more to use. Drop down to verse 11 for me, Harry. Dear friends. Dear friends, listen to this. What? I want you as temporary residents and foreigners. Listen, brothers and sisters. We're going through this life like we live here permanently. We're out here traveling in this world like this is what we want to be in forever. But Paul here, Peter here is warning them. Hey, look, don't get comfortable in this world. Why? Because this ain't going to be here always. This is your ground in which you prepare yourself for your home. Keep reading for me, Harry. Dear friends, I warn you as temporary residents and foreigners to keep away from worldly desires that wages war against your very souls. Keep yourself away from what? What am I saying? You need to be mindful on your job. You need to be mindful on the places where you go and you interact. You need to be mindful on the things you watch on TV. You need to be mindful to the things you listen to on the radio. You need to be mindful of the things that people are asking you to participate in with them. You need to be mindful of that. Why? Because these are the things that wage against your soul. And Satan makes it look good and appealing. I need to be mindful of the kind of contracts that I take. I need to be mindful of the type of customers that I interact with. I need to be mindful of the way I treat people on the job site. Why? Because these are the things that are trying to draw me away from the God that I say I serve. Each one of us in the world that we're in, that world that we're in is trying to pull us at the school, at the job site that we're on, in the offices, at the grocery store. Wherever I am, there is a group of people that are there that ain't in the same, that are not aligned with the mindset that I have. And while we go out and around in this world, every instance, every situation, every circumstance that we are confronted with is an opportunity for us to wage war for the salvation of our very soul. And we don't take it like that because that's how Satan has lulled us to sleep. We get so far away from truth, we don't recognize that Satan has now taken us off course from what God would have us to do. Why is it so easy to uh, not have a Bible study? Because I ain't had one. Why is it so easy to not open up my Bible? Because I don't open it. Why is it so easy to not talk about God? Because I never tried to. For whatever reason, as soon as you want to start talking about God, an uncomfortable feeling comes across your mind. How is this going to go over when I'm saying it to this person? 
How's it going to impact my future with them? What? Who cares how it impacts your future with them? If it impacts it to the point where they don't want to interact with you because you want to proclaim and profess the God you serve, then you don't need to be with them. Don't let them dictate to you how to live your life for God. If I lose my job because I stand up for the cause of Christ in the right context and in the right circumstance, God didn't want me to have that job in the first place. And then here comes that trust in God that, well, wait a minute. If I lost this job for truly standing for the cause of Christ, I know you're going to give me another. Now, if I lost that job because of foolishness on my part, I don't expect you to give me another. But if I'm doing the job like I'm supposed to, when I'm supposed to, how I'm supposed to, and because I acknowledge that you are my God and I'm not ashamed of you, I lose my job. I didn't need that job. And then we want to put it back and say, well, God, don't, don't, don't do that with God. That's an Adam move. That's an Adam move. You know, because see, now when we try to say that, well, God don't want me to do that because he gave me this job. That, that's an Adam move. Because why would God give you a job that caused you to work on Sunday? Let's think about this thing now. See, that, the mentality for it. Why would a God that says, I want you to worship me in spirit and truth on the first day of the week, give you a job that directly conflicts with the first day of the week? Isn't that God being counterproductive? I know I want you to be at worship so that you can thank me for the job that I got you, but I'm going to make sure that that job I got you keeps you from coming to worship. But, and God would deliberately do that? James 1 says that what? God doesn't tempt anyone to sin, and God won't tempt you. So why would God tempt me to do something that's against him? Sometimes we need to back up and think about it. Because, see, the God of this world gives jobs too. And he'll cloak it in being that it came from God. Why is it every time we get, if you ever notice, every time I get a new car, a new job, a raise, a promotion, I always thank God. Well, yeah, but then now at the end of the day, how much of that did I use to glorify God? Did I use the car to pick up more people? Did I use the house to house people that, need, that needed places to stay? Is my offering increased? Think about it. See, well, and if God did it, it had to be something that's going to go back to benefit God. But if I get a new car, no, you can't get in here with you. You, got to see, you can't wear it. You're going to wear that in my car. <laughs> you, you can't get in. You can't, I'm, I know I told Brother James I was going to pick you up, but I, I got called. You know what they wear or what they ain't got on? No, I just got this flow done. I'm just saying, thank no, you what? You coming over to my? You can't come. No, sorry, we ain't got no room. But you got four extra rooms. There's two of you. Just a thought. Harry, keep reading for me. You at verse twelve? Verse number twelve. Yes, come on. Be careful to live properly. Alone. Wait a minute. Be careful how you living where? Among your unbelieving neighbors. Gee, and you know what we say, Dwayne? Every time you get them to go to service, I saw you and Tasha y'all didn't leave this morning. Why y'all ain't go to service? Oh, oh, yeah. Didn't even know they'd be looking. Every time you leave, Lila, you and Isabel didn't go anywhere this morning. Everything all right? Y'all still worshiping down there? I'm just saying. People that don't ever speak to you know your schedule better than you do. People can come by and say, well, oh, no, they ain't home right now. 
I mean, people come out their door on the other side of the street. When somebody knocking on your door, say, oh, oh, they're not home right now. They'll be back around 1. Yeah, it's Sunday. Yeah, no, they usually get back around 1, 1.30. Yeah. I, you want me to tell them you came by? <laughs> they be all that. Why? Because they want your business. Girl, you know who came by your house while you weren't here? I'm, I'm just saying to you now that they watch. They watch everything you do. So you need to be careful how you live among your what? Your unbelieving what? Unbelieving neighbors. Why, Harry? Then even if they accuse you of doing wrong. Even if they do accuse you of doing wrong. What, Harry? They will see your honorable behavior and they will give you honor. And they will give honor to God when he judges the world. Brothers and sisters, I'm not going to hold you long this morning. Because there's so much we could talk about about shots and the critics. But it all boils down to the way I'm living my life. If I want the critics not to be all into my business and I want to silence them, and then if, even if they do talk, I want to be able to show them that what they're saying is wrong, I need to be living the life that God would have me live. I need to be making more of those critics, brothers and sisters in Christ. I don't know what your needs may be this morning, brothers and sisters. But whatever it is, we know that the God that we serve can help resolve whatever the problem is. And if it means he wants you to stop the critics, let's do what God's word says. The first thing you need to do is what? Here is one and only gospel. You heard that at the beginning of the lesson. If you're already in the body of Christ, wherever you are at this particular state in time, it's always time to make it right. Like they said, as long as there's what? Water and soap, we got hope. What am I saying? As long as we got our Lord and Savior and the opportunity to repent, we can be forgiven of our sins. Brothers and sisters, as we stand together and sing the song of encouragement, uh, we will make your request known, and we will go to our Heavenly Father, Brother Dwayne Will, in prayer. Brother Harry.